uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast on this Friday. Friday before OSU faces Kansas State. Filling in today, we have a guest, Caden McFarland, the guy I've wanted to have on this show for a very long time. He is the sports director at KJRH up in Tulsa, Channel 2, the NBC affiliate in Tulsa. Caden, you and I are always kind of texting on on uh, podcast topics with this show and just Big 12 in general and OSU especially. Uh, I, I want to welcome you to the show and thanks for joining. Well, thanks for having me, Carson. I listen every single week, certainly within in season. I listen to you guys every week going back to Kyle and now Colby's doing a great job. So uh, this is a great resource for a guy who, you know, you know, as TV guys, especially up here in Tulsa, where we have to follow them as well. You got to keep track of a lot of games, right? I mean, if you were to watch all three teams every single Saturday, that is a lot of hours. And so I love your podcast and, and different podcasts like this to try and keep up and, and hear what the people who care the very most about Oklahoma State or Oklahoma or Tulsa uh, are saying and thinking. So uh, it's a great resource, man. Love it. Thanks, man. We really appreciate that. We appreciate you listening. And, and you're right. Kyle is always amazed uh, how I follow OSU and OU so mm-hmm. closely. He, like he has so much OSU information packed in his brain. He can't fathom how we factor in Oklahoma and even Tulsa as well. So I'm right there with you. I, I need to listen to all the stuff I can too on OU and everyone else, but um, we appreciate you joining. I, you're a person that I, I really respect in this business. You do a great job as well. And just for some background, I think you and I started about the same time. When did you yeah. start at, at KJRH up in Tulsa? December of 07. I got here and within three or four days, we had that ice storm that was just oh, yeah. you know, fam- the famous ice storm of 07. So that was my introduction to Tulsa. And it, it, when did you start in television? Around the same time or maybe just a little I bit before? I was I was interning at Channel 4 when you started at KJRH. I didn't yeah. start at Channel 4 until December 2008. So you're about a year yeah. ahead of me. Yeah, we are we are contemporaries. Uh, you, me, and I think Nathan Thompson are all really close in terms of when we got started in the business. Now, you've been here in the state of Oklahoma and obviously going to OSU. Uh, so you, had, you go back a little bit further than I do with regard to that. But... Yeah, you and I certainly got into the biz at the same time, and it, we've just been at the same events forever, right? I mean, <laughs> I guess we don't get to do that quite as much as we used to, but uh, it's it's always been good to show up at an event and know that I'm going to get to sit down and have a serious sports conversation with my <laughs> man Carson. We're not going to mess around, you know, like, uh, well, I won't name any names, but it, yeah. I've always really enjoyed uh, your company and, you know, getting to pick your brain on different things. It is funny, you know, people that aren't in the business think it's like Anchorman, that we all hate each other and we mm-hmm. all fight at the games and stuff. But really, like, we spend more time with each other than, all, than our families sometimes of the year with football yeah. season. And uh, so you came from New Mexico. How does a yes. kid from New Mexico? What college did you go to in New Mexico? University of I my the Lobos. I brought right? this. I brought this up a little bit recently. Yeah, the University of New Mexico Lobos, the pit, and all that. Uh, my senior year, no, my freshman year was Brian Erlocker's senior year. So that's kind of I go back to to that era. Rocky Long had some decent teams in New Mexico, and I got to work in the sports information department. Um, and I I have no idea why the college football bug bit me the way it did but I I would I've been a Notre Dame fan since they won the national title in 88 I live and die with those guys I'll be wearing a Notre Dame jersey tomorrow as they take on Clemson (laughs) and I I was unlike anybody I knew I didn't have anybody necessarily to talk about these things with in fact when I was 18 old enough that my parents would let me 
I hopped on a train from Albuquerque to LA to watch Notre Dame play USC in the Coliseum. Just went by myself like a nerd. <laughs> uh, you know, and nobody was a big college football fan there. I have no idea why I was like that. But Oklahoma, honestly, was a place I wanted to get to for several years because of that. I, I just thought covering football, OU and OSU in the state of Oklahoma would be so cool. And my granddad actually was from Tulsa and was a season ticket holder for a couple of decades. So I was kind of familiar, would visit Tulsa in the summers when I was a kid and just always thought, man, if I could make a living covering college football in Oklahoma, that'd be pretty cool. And so yeah, it was, I mean, it would and, and have stuck around because, you know, I, I love the job that much. Yeah. And Tulsa's a great place, obviously. And, and you're right. You, you really had perfect timing too, because 07 is right about when Gundy started to take off because his first yes. couple of years were, were pretty the pedestrian. And, and then ever since you've been here, really OSU and OU have been the powers in, in the conference. So you, you came to Oklahoma at a really good time. So we, no we appreciate you, you joining the show as well. Uh, let's get to the, the first five. It's brought to you by Chris's University Spirit. You can shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Get all your cowboy needs, your one-stop cowboy shop for all your gear, apparel. The, you can get a mask with the Curse of Cowboys on it. It's great stuff. So we always appre appreciate Chris's sponsoring the podcast. Uh, Caden, it's a, it's a rough time to be joining the show because OSU just coming off one of the most – maddening losses I can remember it's up there in the pantheon of pain is what I'm calling it in terms of just how on earth did they lose that football game to Texas so I, I I'm assured you covered it for KJRH just what was your take on on the debacle that was OSU Texas I texted you the next day and was already beginning to try and put this thing into context you mentioned 2013 Bedlam just with regard to games where Oklahoma State had no business losing. It was a big spot, you know, against one of your biggest rivals, and you have no business losing the game because you have the better team. It, it, there's, there aren't that many games like that in, in the Mike Gundy era. This is absolutely one of them. And, and I, I talked to uh, Mike Steely on the Sports Animal here in Tulsa uh, earlier this week. If OSU ends up running the table, Carson, if they <laughs> beat OU and Norman, and then win the Big 12 championship game against either OU or Iowa State, likely, and finish with one loss. Seriously, we're going to look back at that Texas loss almost exactly like you look back at the 2011 Iowa State loss. I, I don't think this Texas team is much better than that 500 Iowa State team from, from 2011. We'll, we'll look back in much the same way and say, these guys had a golden opportunity to make the college football playoff in this season. That's a great I'm coming back to you, but everything else. And now I'm not saying that's going to happen. The way OU starting to play that game in Norman certainly worries you. But if if they end up being a one loss team, and I, I think they have the talent to be that, you're going to look back and just lament that loss in a way that you lament hardly any loss that's ever happened in, in OSU history. Frankly, it's a great point. And now that you mention it, I do remember that Iowa State game. I believe Brandon Wheaton threw four interceptions. So wow. so that's it's very similar in terms of the amount of turnovers, the amount of turnovers it took to get that game to overtime, much like the Iowa State game. So it's a great point. And it's it's kind of odd, too, if they do do all that, Colby or Colby. I'm, I'm used to having Colby on the show. Caden, uh, if, if they do do that, they'll be viewed similarly as the 2011 team. They they had one loss. They won the Big 12 title. But they, they probably would have gotten there in a much different manner because that 2011 team was just yes. one of the most dominant teams you'll ever see in the history of the sport in terms of just the points they put up and, and the way they dominated opponents. So it's kind of an interesting path to get there, but you're right. I think they're going to look back on, on that game and just 
still wonder how they how they got there. And, and again, I think sure. you have to talk about Spencer Sanders' role in this. We can talk about the the kick return touchdown, the the roughing the punter, which I thought was just a terrible decision by Gundy. I want to get your take on that too. But what's your thoughts on Spencer Sanders? I mean, the guy is lightning in a bottle. When when he, when he's rolling, he looks like one of the best players in the country. But man, Caden, when he when he just gives the ball away to the other team, I don't know if you can afford to play him. I mean, what, what's your take on Spencer Sanders? Yeah, so I, I was surprised. I went back and did some research this week. 13 starts, right, for Spencer so far. That's been his career, uh, if you take out the Tulsa game. Uh, 22 turnovers just on him. The offense has had a few more than that. 22 turnovers from Spencer in 13 games. Holy Clemson, moly. Clemson in its last 13 games, how many turnovers do you think they've had? How about nine? Nine. Notre Dame's had 11. Look, championship teams, teams that play championship football in this day and age, offenses just don't turn it over nearly as much as as Spencer is so far in his OSU career. I I think you're going to have to live with some of it uh, at at the end of the day. Part of it is, and I kind of wanted in in talking about Spencer, I wanted to get into kind of who he reminds me of, but I'll, I'll table that for now, maybe get into it in just a second. But you know, Mike Leach, I think, is the guy I heard put it this way. He said, look, when you were growing up, the kid who could pick up a rock and hit the stop sign with it, that's a kid who goes on to be a really accurate quarterback. Either you're born with that or you're not. You can't make, you can't coach accuracy into a kid necessarily. You can work on a couple of things, refine things, but a quarterback is either really accurate or, or he's not. And look, I, I, Spencer is, is never going to be Aaron Rodgers, I don't think. I, I think you're always going to have a couple of throws that you wish you could have back one or two of them might go for an interception. You can live with that stuff, but you can't live with that first turnover where he didn't have good ball security on, you know, I guess the give or the fake give to Chuba. Those are the things that have to be cleaned up and and be cleaned up immediately. I think Mike Gundy used to talk about how around 15 or 16 career starts for a quarterback is when the light really goes on that it's got to go on for Spencer right now. If this team's going to win the big 12, all of those turnovers have to have to cease and desist right away. You're going to live with some of it. And what you mentioned is exactly right. The ceiling, if, if you ask me who he reminds me of, on it, because of the throwing motion, the first thought for me was Mike Vick. Like it's a bit of a violent throwing motion, a big arm. He doesn't have, near, he doesn't have the insane speed that Mike Vick has, obviously. But he's got really good athleticism and this big arm. But it's not as reliable as you would like. And so when he's on, when he's perfect, the ceiling's really, really high, but I don't think you can count on that necessarily. So you have to adjust it down somewhat. The two guys I've settled on that I've seen firsthand here that he kind of reminds me of one is Zach Robinson. He reminds me a lot of Zach Robinson where, you know, I think he's got a bigger arm than Zach. It's more of a live arm than Zach, but I think the athleticism is really comparable and the general accuracy is pretty close as well. Zach may have been a little bit savvier. Uh, the ball control I think was probably a little bit better, but they do remind me of each other in some ways kind of Zach Robinson plus. And how about this? I don't, I don't think you're going to like this comparison, but I've got numbers to back it up. He reminds me a little bit of Trevor Knight. Big, big time athleticism, similar in terms of he can make all the throws, but he's not quite as accurate as you'd like. I think he's more accurate than Trevor Knight, but I've got some numbers for you, Carson, really quickly. Give first, to me. 13, first 13 career starts, Spencer Sanders, 2,700 yards passing, 21 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. About 700 yards rushing, 27, 21, and 14. Trevor Knight, 2,800 yards, 21 touchdowns, 
13 interceptions, almost identical <laughs> on the yardage, the touchdowns and interceptions. Now, uh, I, I do think Spencer's, I mean, that was about the end of, of it for Trevor Knight at OU. He did go on to have a pretty good senior season at AM. I, I think Spencer has has a brighter future, I think, in this offense, especially for the rest of this year with Thailand and Chuba. Uh, I do like Spencer Sanders a lot more than Trevor Knight, but he reminds me of a guy in that family where the arm isn't quite as accurate or reliable as you'd like, but it's big enough to make all the throws. And, and here's the thing with Trevor Knight. There was one night where he had an out-of-body experience, and he was good <laughs> enough to beat freaking Alabama. And I do wonder if Spencer maybe will come up with a couple of those in his career where he's able to just put aside all the mistakes he's dialed in and he's able to take you to a level that frankly, very few Oklahoma state teams have been able to go to, especially with this defense. I I do wonder if if that's possible for him at some point this year. Believe it or not, I was going to bring up his ceiling and his floor and his floor. I was going to bring up as Trevor Knight. I, I was going to bring up that name as well. So I'm really, I'm stunned the stats are so similar, but right. believe it or not, I was going to bring up the name too. And I was kind of wincing as I would, because I, I thought <laughs> it might be blasphemous, but you, you make the, a strong case for that. And I do see a lot of the similarities in terms of the wow moments are big. Wow. Remember Trevor yeah. Knight against Iowa state. He had that big, long winding run that he just, his athleticism yeah. just yeah. flies off the screen but he has these moments of just what were, where were you throwing that football moments of the accuracy, not being there and really just kind of what you go back to uh, talking about throwing the rock against the stop sign. I mean, you're either, either have that accuracy or you don't. So I think his floor is right there with Trevor Knight who never really put it all together. His ceiling. It's, it's an easy comparison. They look kind of similar. They wear the same number. For me, it's Russell Wilson. Now, Russell Wilson, I, I still don't think it's enough credit for the for the arm talent that he has. Everyone always wants yeah. to mention the, his mobility and how he just makes plays happen, but he has a legit cannon for an arm. And Spencer does too. You just you wonder if he has the similar capabilities that that Russell ended up having. And again, that's the absolute ceiling, I would think. But I think I think you make great comparisons. I, I hadn't really thought of Zach. Obviously, they're they're both mobile, but at a certain point, you do wonder if he's going to end up like Trevor Knight and the way he just was not able to perform in big moments, in big games, the accuracy. Uh, so do you think he can put it all together? Because the, the wow moments are there. And, and I do agree with you that you kind of have to write it out. Gundy has said that this week. I don't think Shane Illingworth is capable of going to Norman and winning. So I think you have to keep playing him. I just, gosh, you just, you wonder if this is who he is or if he's going to take that make that turn. Now you did mention, you know, Gundy has always said it's 20 games that a quarterback okay. needs. And this is where it just drives me crazy because after the game against Texas, he's like, you saw the difference between a guy who started 39 times and a guy who's only playing in his 13th game. Well, whose fault is it that it's only his 13th game, Mike, you chose no. to play a fifth year former walk on with no residual benefit that was his only year to play and you could have been playing Spencer Sanders that entire season. If you want to say they played the best guy, that's probably true. I'm sure corn dog at that point was the better quarterback, but you're now paying for it. Yep. You're now seeing the lack of experience shine through in a season that you just mentioned that you just compared to 2011. And I totally agree with you. And why did they lose that game? Because their quarterback wasn't ready for the moment. And I, I don't know. I just, to me, that, that is a huge misjudgment by Mike Gundy. What say you? 
like like me, I'm sure you have some takes that aren't uh, perfect, are not always prescient. But but that one was really good. I mean, I I have to hand it to you. You were saying that the entire 2018 season, uh, and and now that we're here in 2020, and and this season has the potential to be so incredibly special. I think you just you couldn't be more right. Um, you know, the other thing is now the injuries have compressed it and and really put you in a bit of a bind. Um, I, I still trust the kid, uh, you know, and I think maybe part of it is this hour time series um, that that's on ESPN plus. Uh, I, I know how competitive he is. I know Mike Gundy talks about that a lot. I, I just think really good things are in store for Spencer. He'll never be the most accurate quarterback in the country, but I think he's going to be able to overcome most of that. The thing is, because of the injuries, he kind of has to overcome it like right now, you know, like starting this week, they've got to get some things figured out. And, and some of the turnovers that are, that are more foolish need to stop immediately. And, you know, going back to one quick point I wanted to make on, on the Texas game, and then this speaks to Spencer's situation immediately. You know, if, if OSU punts it about four more times in that ball game and just cuts out a couple of turnovers, they win, right? I like, the defense is that good. They dominated Texas to that extent. I think Texas had two drives out of 15 all day long that went for more than 30 yards. I mean, that's just unheard of what this defense was able to do, uh, beating Texas on a down-in, down-out efficiency basis. I think Mike's got to think long and hard about coaching this thing differently and being okay punting the ball. Uh, and really, that speaks more to Casey Dunn. And, and so the point is, get the ball out of Spencer's hands sooner. And so may, maybe that's on him, right? Maybe he's holding the ball when he's not instructed to do so. But to me, look, this offensive line is just okay. And we saw, you know, Texas whipped them pretty good. Um, you know, I, I think it was five or six sacks and nine or 10 tackles for loss. And then they were able to, you know, hold the running game below four yards per carry, maybe even below three yards per carry. Uh, You've, you've got to understand where your offensive line is, where Spencer is in terms of understanding the game, and you got to do him some favors by just getting the ball out of his hands more and punt, punt the ball on, on fourth down and, and trust your defense. I, like That's just the way I think this Oklahoma State team needs to play. They need to, they need to clean up the turnovers immediately. Otherwise, I, look – the way Texas beat them last week is exactly the way Kansas State wants to beat you, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I don't expect OSU to, to put together a performance like that ever again. It does feel like more of a fluke than some lasting reason for concern. Uh, but you can't even play with that fire. You can't mess with that. Get the ball out of Spencer's hands. Take a little bit of pressure off that offensive line. Put it on your defense because I think they're good enough to handle, especially in this Big 12 that's not vintage offensively. This is not 2008, you know, with Graham Harrell and Sam Bradford and Colt McCoy and those guys out there. Oh, this OSU team is good enough to win with defense week in, week out. And just one, protect Spencer. I mean, the hit he took that drew blood in overtime, you kidding me? You can't, you just, you can't put him in harm's way to that extent. You, to me, they've got to go a little bit more conservative. Don't, yeah, they brought out a lot of creative stuff and they had double moves and it looked great when it worked and it did work a lot of the day, you know, more than 500 yards. But to me, they need to, you know, th this needs to look a little bit more like a big 10 team as much as you probably hate to hear that, because I think the defense is good enough that it, with the exception of OU with OU, it's Katie bar the door and throw the kitchen sink at them. 
But they had no business losing that game last week, Carson. If they just punt a few more times and avoid the big mistakes, get it out of Spencer's hands sooner, they win that game comfortably. And I think they can win every game on this schedule, save OU the rest of the way pretty comfortably with a recipe like that and just work on Spencer uh, and his development along the way. No, I, I love that. I mean, I, I think Mike Gundy's never met a pun he didn't like. Yeah. Uh, so I think that won't be a problem. But I do think – I love your point about getting the ball out of his hands quick. I think with the offensive line, I think it'll look more – it needs to look more like a West Coast offense than a Big Ten mm -hmm. offense. Just quick quick, quick sure. hits to the, all those receivers they have. Uh, get Jelani Woods more involved. I love that point about getting the ball out quick. Because I do think Spencer is holding on to it too long. Yeah. So And, and what's crazy too about the Texas game, they recovered all three fumbles. That the fumble luck was on their side too. So I, right. I do think it was more fluky, but you did mention the elite OSU defense and they are elite and you're not a, you're not from big 12 country, which we discussed. I'm a big 12 Homer. I, I will admit that you are a big 12 detractor. I think you would <laughs> admit that. And I think over the years, you've been proven correct about the lack of NFL talent in the big 12. I think that's, that's bore out in the draft. We see it every year. We see the talent getting taken in the sec but I've always been of contention that the offenses in the Big 12 make it so much harder on Big 12 defenses. And we're just now finally seeing right. the SEC have to deal with it. Nick Saban comes out and says, well, now offensive football, offenses uh, run, run the sport, run the game. It's like, well, no, Nick, they, they've been doing that for the last 15 years elsewhere. And it makes it really hard, doesn't it? Because he gives up you know, 70 points to Ole Miss. So that that's my only take on the Big 12 being inferior defensively is, yes, they don't have the NFL talent, but, man, the, the offense is over the line. You just mentioned the quarterbacks they had no eight. I mean, it's been, it's been an unreal run of quarterback play and spread offensive play. Yeah, he, on the uh, rundown you gave me, it was, why does Caden hate the Big 12? And I love that question. I just I lit up <laughs> and I saw it because we have gone back and forth for years and years. And, you know, I would say um, – that you've been born, your your takes have been proven right in a lot of ways too. Uh, frankly, the Big 12 led a bit of an offensive revolution that's now found its way to the NFL. Uh, not every team's doing it, but if you have a Pat Mahomes, mm -hmm. well, that looks exactly like a Big 12 offense. And what, you know, you just quoted Nick Saban. I mean, can you can you imagine him saying that back in 2010 or 2012? Uh, that That's all the Big 12. And so, I, I obviously don't hate the Big 12. In fact, there's nowhere, with the exception of maybe the SEC, that I'd rather cover college football. I, I love this league. I love the competitiveness of it, uh, sort of top to bottom, if you just exclude Kansas. I love the coaches in this league. I mean, I, I think it's pound for pound as good as you get there, maybe better than anybody. Um, you know, and the fact that Kansas State, for instance, you know, follows up Snyder with Kleiman, they just keep hiring good coaches for the most part. I, I think Matt Wells is a good coach at Texas Tech. Um, I, Tom Herman has not been what I expected, but, uh, the potential maybe is still there. I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, I, I definitely don't hate the big 12, but at the end of the day, I have to try and be impartial and, and recognize that they, they don't win in championship settings. They, they have not won a college football playoff game yet. It's been since 05 that they won a national championship. They've had their chances. Mostly that's been OU. Um, and they just haven't got it done, you know, and some of that was luck in 08 DeMarco Murray didn't play against Florida. Well, I mean, you know, it's a pretty big deal. I mean, it, it's, and in 03, they were right there against LSU. Jason White was beaten up. Uh, they've had their chances and haven't got it done. And so that's, I, at the end of the day, I just, I, I want to give credit where it's due. The SEC is in those games. They're in the arena and they, they win those big games. 
And the biggest reason for it is they do have more NFL talent. They just do, you know, the, the state of Texas, for whatever reason, which is, um, you know, the place that, that this league uh, needs to go find its NFL players by and large, it hasn't produced them on the defensive side of the ball for the last decade, for whatever reason. I don't know if that's the seven on seven taking hold, the spread offense, the fact that most kids are being put on offense for whatever reason, the kind of guys who grow up to be 300 pounds and able to run like NFL defensive linemen run, they just aren't born in our part of the world or in the state of Texas at the same rate that they seem to be born, uh, you know, down South. So they, they've just had more NFL talent, more speed, generally speaking. And so in those big games, usually where there's a month to prepare and, you know, you give the, the advantage to the defense because maybe it's harder for an offense to find its rhythm. The big 12 just hasn't won those games. And so, um, I don't, I don't mean, I didn't set out to be a big 12 truther, uh, or a big 12 <laughs> hater, but I do just try to acknowledge that because I see it. But at the same time, everything you just said is correct as well. The big 12 has led an offensive revolution. And to me, it's just a shame, uh, that it, not only did they lead a, an offensive revolution, I think right now they're ahead of the curve in terms of defending the air raid. I think Iowa state has led it. And there are some other teams. I think Oklahoma state's one of them. Uh, that are a little bit ahead of the game, but certainly ahead of, I think, the SEC right now uh, in, in defending some of these air raid or Big 12 offenses, whatever you want to call them. Um, and they just don't get the credit for it either way is, is what it comes down to at the end of the day, which is a shame. They haven't been able to win in the biggest games and win national titles. Maybe that'll change. You know, maybe that changes with Lincoln Riley, um, you know, finally putting together a defense that's good enough that maybe OU can go win another national championship. I, I don't know. But when, when you look at these teams walk off the bus, well, and, you know, I like I'm a Notre Dame fan. What did they do to Iowa State last year in a bowl game? They Oof. held them without a touchdown, right? I, there's better defense being played in other parts of the country is what it comes down to, even though I think the Big 12 is making some strides. And Oklahoma State has certainly made, made strides this year, and they are – they're a really good defense. I hesitate to put them up there with the best of the best because of the NFL talent difference, uh, but they are a really, really fine defense. Um, you know, but the big 12 has been in my mind, good, not great for the most yeah. part. Good. not yeah, great. I do think they have caught up to the offenses. That's a great point. And this, what drives me nuts is let's say, let's say that OSU did go 11 and one and they're, they're up against, let's say Georgia, just for comparison's sake. Yeah. And, and Georgia looks great coming off the bus. But let's say George has given up way more points, way more yards, because they finally have had to face some offenses than OSU. I still uh -huh. don't think, like, if the roles were reversed, they would just point at those numbers and say, OSU is not as good defensively. George is better. Because look at the numbers. Well, now, let's say the numbers are flipped. They'll say, well, OSU plays in the Big 12. Or, well, Georgia, look at the recruiting rankings. Look at the, look at the big board on the NFL draft. I think Georgia's better, even though they gave up a hundred more yards per game. That's, that's when the eye test just goes crazy for me, because at some point what you do on the field matters and there's no way to compare conferences. You just compare the numbers. So that's, I'm already triggered by the college football playoff. That's what triggers me the most is just how <laughs> certain things apply when they want them to. And, and then yes. the same with the talking heads as well. You're, you're not saying anything that's wrong there. You're, you're really not. And the only thing I would go back to is the Big 12 has had its shot in, in some of these playoff games, you know, and that's certainly and true. so far it's only been OU in the college football playoff and they haven't had a defense that's been even close enough, you know, and even gosh, they had Kyler Murray and CeeDee Lamb. Think about that. 
<laughs> Nick Saban now says offense beats defense. Well, only two years ago, OU walked into Miami with Kyler Murray and C.D. Lamb and an offensive line that was as good as there was in the country. And they were down 28 nothing in a blink, Carson. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what disappoints me about the Big 12 is it feels like more often than not, man, they are simply just not ready to answer the bell um, mm-hmm. in, in championship play. You know, and Clemson did it to them uh, in, in 2015 where they made it, they, they imposed their will. They just played man ball, as they like to say in the SEC, even though Clemson's not an SEC team. Uh, and just physically dominated a Sooners team that really did have a pretty good defense by the numbers. And so I would just like to see the Big 12 win some of the, these games so that I, I feel like I can make an argument on their behalf uh, that's not disingenuous, you know? Uh, so I'm pulling for it, man. I hope it happens. Doesn't look like it's going to happen this year. Um, you know, it's I, – and I really do think that Oklahoma State losing at Texas, um, I you know, I – I, don't, I, I think Bedlam's a toss-up. I, I think there's a decent chance OSU comes to the end of this year with one loss, and that just hurts that much more. But. Yep, no doubt. What, you mentioned the OSU defense. Just what, what impresses you about them? The fact that there's not a weakness. The fact that um, they are good everywhere, and, and certainly deeper than they have been. Um, you know, a couple weeks ago, I got in a little bit of trouble, and you guys mentioned it on the podcast. Um, <laughs> after Brees Hall's second long run and it went for a touchdown. And I said, you know, great defenses don't give up two sixty plus yard runs in, in the same game. Uh, so I think I said, this is a good defense. We can retire the other thing. And they immediately went out to play pretty great. <laughs> you know, if I'm being <laughs> honest, they forced uh, Never five tweet. straight punts. Uh, yeah, exactly. They forced five punts. Four of them uh, were three and outs. And then last week against Texas, I think held them to 3.8 yards per play, which is, just nuts when you consider that they've got Sam Ellinger and some receivers that at least look the part. Uh, They've been really, really good, and they're good at every level, and they're confident, and they know what they're doing. And, um, you know, they got caught in something a couple of weeks ago on on the Brees Hall runs, but there haven't been many of those busts. Um, And so they take chances for sure, but more and more they're able to get home and get to quarterbacks without taking great chances and and they're able to cover on the outside not only their corners but their safeties I think they're a modern defense in that way you know a little bit ahead of the curve um, you know kind of doing some of the same things Iowa State is in terms of uh, you know basically keeping an extra safety out on the field making sure it's a guy who can come up and help you in the run but is also good enough um, you know to cover receivers or tight ends on the back end I was impressed with the way they were able to lock down Iowa State's tight ends that's not easy to do you got to have some pretty good size and length to pull that off. Um, Sterling was great in that ball game. And then, you know, to be able to hold up in the back end against Texas the very next week, you know, and that's without Harvell Peel uh, for the entire second half. So the depth has impressed me. The fact that I don't think they have a weakness. I still do not put them in that class at the very, very top. I don't, I don't think anybody would, right? I mean, you were, are we seriously going to try and compare them to like Ohio State or Clemson or Alabama in terms of talent? Surely not. But they're kind of in a second tier at this point. I would put them there for sure. Um, the results have been that good. So just the fact that they're good everywhere. Um, I, and, and the fact that I think Jim Knowles is, is a really fine defensive coordinator, like almost as good as, as, as there is out there. I think that was a, a really inspired hire by Mike Gundy for sure. 
Mike's hired a ton of good offensive coordinators. We all know that. Jim Knowles might end up being his best hire he's made because they've been terrible on defense since the beginning of time. And, and Jim Knowles is doing a fantastic job. I would argue that this defense is up there with Ohio State for this simple fact. They don't have, you know, the bell cow, blue chip defensive tackle. They don't have that type of difference maker. But I do think as a whole, as a unit, they can perform to the same type of level that Ohio State can. Now, again, I do have – you mentioned they don't have a weakness. I've been saying that too. I, After what I saw against Texas, my main concern for them moving forward is when teams run right at them, which is always the argument when a Big 12 team faces an SEC type of team because they don't have the horses up front. They don't have the same size and, and strength advantage typically. So well, the I beauty do, of that I, is nobody in the SEC runs right at you anymore. Well, like Najee Harris, Najee Harris from Alabama sure. might run Good right point. at you. Good point. Uh, and I do think Ramondre Stevenson from Oklahoma, who is an NFL back, is going to run right at them. And I did think Texas had some success early in that game, running it right up the gut. I think that was some of their best plays, which there weren't very many. So I, while I do think they've been elite, Jim Knowles has done an outstanding job. My main concern is, is, is oh, you going to do what they did to them last year when they had Jalen Hurts, where they literally just ran GT counter right down their throat the entire way down the field. That's that's my main concern with this defense. I think that's good analysis for sure. So uh, they're they are going on the road, Caden. I mean, they got for me. It's two game season for them now. You go you go BK State up in Manhattan. You got to go win Bedlam and Norman. Um, what are your what's your thoughts on K State? You did mention that their avenue to success is very much like what we saw against uh, against Texas in terms of OSU can't turn the ball over and Caden special teams. I mean, yeah. Mike Gundy's a special teams coordinator. I do think the coverage units had been better the last two years, three years, maybe Alex Hales kicked really good field goals this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, Tom Hutton's just kind of a guy there at punter, but man, K state is awesome on special teams. That's something yeah. they really have to tighten up this week. Without a doubt. Um, you know, I, I don't see the Kansas state offense driving the field and scoring a touchdown more than once on this OSU defense. You, you would have to give them short fields exactly like you, you did against Texas, or you'd have to give up special teams touchdowns or defensive touchdowns. I, I don't see any way in which Kansas State has much success offensively. Um, you know, and even Deuce Vaughn, I think, is a little bit banged up. You, you watch the highlights of Will Howard last week against West Virginia. I know he was maybe a little bit better against TCU, which is a, you know, a decent defense at least. Um, I mean, this, this is just not a very good offense and it, just not, not, not an offense that should in any way threaten this OSUD. Now I expect them to be a whole lot better Kansas state that is than they were last week at West Virginia. I mean, teams bounce back, especially teams coached, you know, as well and as all in as Kansas state is, and they'll be at home. And I think you'll get, a good effort from them, a fine effort, but frankly, OSU doesn't have to do difficult things to win this ball game. They just need to avoid catastrophic mistakes. Um, and I mean, you mentioned it special teams, you can't let them change the game. And that probably was I, every, almost every bit as big as the roughing the, the punter penalty, you know, the return touchdown when Tylen, you know, snags it in the end zone and you finally have some separation and you're about to step on Texas's throat to give up a 100 yard return. And it just, all felt like needlessly like I don't I don't even understand how it happened um you know they touched him <laughs> yeah guys just ran down and then didn't do much um you know I mean I guess he's fast but 
usually the guys returning kicks are fast. So I, I have no uh, explanation for how or why OSU special teams were so bad last week. They will have to be better without question. But this, this simply is not a game where, I mean, Kansas State has overachieved to this point without question. They, they really had no, no business winning the OU game, but they had Skylar Thompson on that day. I, they were at least a little bit of a threat. They're not, they're not a threat. To, to the Oklahoma State defense, at least, you know, that's the way I see it at the moment. The, the things that worry you are the fact that maybe some of these mistakes you made last week in, in some way, shape, or form snowball, or if you have one early, it just becomes a thing that's in OSU's head a little bit. I mean, I guess that worries you. The fact that it's on the road and Kansas State's coming back, uh, and, and you haven't played very well in Manhattan. You know, I think it's probably just a couple of wins in the last, like, 20 or 30 years for OSU, which, you know, you didn't play them every year uh, back in the day, but uh, even Gundy has, has generally struggled in Manhattan, uh, but OSU is a much better team and they're in a spot. They're in a bounce back spot themselves. They're thinking big 12 championship. They're good enough to win the big 12 championship. If so, you know, you, after that Texas performance, you, you come out and you play really, really well. And if, if OSU plays anything close to really well, uh, they should win this game pretty comfortably. I, it, it's not going to be insane because Kansas State really is pretty solid on defense. And everything I mentioned about how o, I think OSU's offense should approach things, I think they should be more conservative. Um, you know, you should certainly you can't throw the ball to Tylen Wallace enough, uh, but you can still have a pretty conservative game plan where you're looking to get the ball out of Spencer's hands and you're not worried about punting every now and again. But I, I don't know, 31. 13, something like that feels, feels right to me. Um, I don't know where that is on the line. I, I think they would cover at that point, but yeah. I, you know, it, it, that it, this just should not be that stressful a Saturday in my mind. O, OSU should go play well and win this game. Yeah. Will Howard, three picks against West Virginia, only threw for 184 yards. I think the OSU defense after what they watched on the opposite side of the field against Texas is, is going to try to force a ton of turnovers just to kind of get back off the schneid. And I am always, somewhat critical of Mike Gundy being too conservative. I think he, when he was rocking the mullet, being outlandish, I think he really was, you know, Kyle Porter used to joke that he, he wears a mullet, but coaches like he has a crew cut. Like he's right. very, very conservative. And I, I, I'm stating this on Friday before the game. I am totally fine with that going up to Manhattan. I want them even to implement some of the same strategy they implemented when they had Illingworth starting against West Virginia, yep. run the football, Throw it sideways. Now, the, the beauty of Spencer Sanders is you can run the zone read if he can hang on to the football yeah. and he can carry it himself, which adds way more dynamic abilities to the running game. So I am ready for Mike Gunny to go and Coulter conservative up, up in Manhattan. I'm totally fine with that for the first time in a long time. Uh, I won't touch anything conservative, liberal, or any other. I did. That's, <laughs> that was a pretty good reference. I'll just let it go okay. this week. Well, we don't need to, I don't need to make any other OSU fans upset. You also texted me this week, if you had to bet on it, who would you bet on being in the Big 12 title game? Now, this was before OSU lost to Texas, and there were way more things up in the air. But uh, on, on November 6th, who are you picking to make it to the title game? Well, the two best teams are OU and OSU, I think. I don't, I don't think Iowa State's going to take another loss, more than one loss. I'd, I'd be interested to get your, your feeling on that. Looking at their schedule, mostly it's home games the rest of the way. They certainly could lose twice lost to Louisiana. I mean, that took yep. some special That's teams right. fiascos as well, but it can happen. I, 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 guess. I think Iowa state's solid enough, well-coached enough. They only lose one more time 
And in which case, yeah, and that's that's great for OSU if that happens. It, it as long as you're able to go win in Norman, um, you know that that makes things easy breezy for you. <laughs> you don't have yeah. to deal with the Sooners a second time in Arlington. You get to take on Iowa State. I mean, to me, that's best case scenario for OSU for so many reasons would be to go down to Norman and get a win. And now that you put that thing in my head about Ramondre Stevenson running right at him, you know, I'm a little bit concerned. Um, I. I think somehow, some way, if I had to make a pick, I would go OU, OSU, because I think they're the two best teams. I, I don't think Iowa State's going to lose more than once, and I don't know how the three-way tiebreaker potentially would work out. But I'm going to go with those two teams because I think they're the best. And week in, week out, you know, I, I just feel better about them handling their business and winning. So I guess what I'm saying is I, I do think there's a better chance that those two teams make it because of the three-way tiebreaker breaking their way and or Iowa State taking a loss that I don't necessarily see coming. I'll go with those two because I think they're the best. I'd, I'd feel a little bit weird going with Iowa State at this point. Um, they're, they're, they do what they do well. They're, you know, the new Kansas State, but they're nowhere near OU or OSU talent-wise. They, they just aren't. And that should be the Big 12 championship game. Uh, if those teams handle their business, there's, there's a decent chance it will be. As much as I would like to see Bedlam, I just don't see Iowa State losing again. I mean, I guess they could lose they in Austin. Right. Uh, I just they, I don't. They've had in trouble Texas. with Texas generally. They have. I just I don't believe in in Texas and Matt Campbell against Tom Herman. I'm I'm taking Matt Campbell. So I I think it's going to be Iowa State and Oklahoma. I just I I don't envision OSU going to Norman and winning. Now a lot can happen from now until then. Uh, there's, there's gosh, two weeks from this Saturday is when they play. We got a long time before before Bedlam. So, what in I don't the know. World I just is th- your podcast going to sound like if, and I don't want to say wasted, but if an All American, maybe Belitnikov Award winning season for Tylen Wallace, and the return of Chuba Hubbard, and the probably the best defense of the Gundy era, if that all results in them having to watch the Big Twelve Championship game from afar, <laughs> I mean. Please do not uh, have me as a guest that week. (laughs) It would be pretty doom and gloom. And unfortunately, I just – Oklahoma's getting right uh, just in time to play them. I mean, you much – and that's another thing that (laughs) happened with COVID. It's just – it's so OSU, you just have to laugh sometimes. They were supposed to play Oklahoma in October when they took two L's, when they weren't playing very well, when Spencer Rattler was turning the ball over. And, of course, they get – Two NFL players back when Ronnie Perkins, Ramondre Stevenson. They're probably going to get back Trajan Bridges. They're probably going to get back Jaden Hazelwood, who might be the best player on their team. So uh, that's going to be a daunting, daunting task. They could certainly go there and win. I mean, Oklahoma's defense has played well up front, but their, their secondary is certainly susceptible. And I, if Jelani Woods doesn't get 10 targets after what Charlie Kolar did to Oklahoma, then I, I'm, I'm gonna, I might have to make a phone call to Casey Dunn because that would be coaching malpractice. I love it. And quickly, uh, if Tylen Wallace doesn't get about 20 targets, that'll be coaching Ralph, right? Nobody can cover this guy. Just throw 20 fades. Absolutely. He will take, he will take care of you. And Spencer throws that ball pretty well. They have good Um, chemistry. They do. Look, I, I have covered, by the way, if Notre Dame had one of about the five best OSU receivers from just the time since I've been here against Clemson Saturday, there's zero doubt in my mind they would win. I mean, Notre Dame has nothing at receiver somehow, <laughs> some way. And OSU, it has been an embarrassment of riches. Dez was so much fun to watch. And then Justin Blackman, I've always said, was the best I've ever seen in person. 
and James Washington was a barrel of monkeys. And I'm telling you, I think Tylen Wallace is my favorite. Maybe not the best, but I think he is my favorite to watch. Just really, he's just the fact that he is the size he is, but plays with such incredible strength. And the athleticism is what it is. And he just, he's a really good kid. It seems to me, I, I, I think I like watching him every bit as much as any of those guys. Um, he, especially, you know, Saturday against Texas. Well, you know, and even the last couple of weeks, um, the way he plays with such poise, even though guys are hanging all over him and he draws the pass interference penalties and, you know, the way he lit up the Iowa state kid on the block, the way he blocks uh, the Iowa state catch and run from last year, just, some of the stuff he does is so much fun to watch. Um, you know, it, and maybe Blackman was more fun because that was, that was just an insane two year run, maybe almost un, untouched in college football history. But I, I like watching Tylen that much. I really do. If Tylen hadn't gotten hurt, I think he'd be right there stats wise with, with black. Blackman would have better numbers just in the offense they play, but I'll say this for Tylen. He makes more catches Caden that, as he's coming down to the ground, right. he's made more catches that I'd turn to the that I'd turn and spot the official and think, there's no way he actually caught that, and he does every single time. That that's to me the lasting image I have of Tylen Wall. He makes these catches, yes, these circus catches that are almost routine for him. It's it's unbelievable. Yes, they are routine. Are you you're shocked when he if he doesn't come down with it and i frankly have a hard time even remembering <laughs> exactly. not coming down with one but yeah kind of the twisting the twisting cat his vertical one i bet is better than any of those guys we mentioned even des um Ooh, and then and then the crazy. ability to go get it and kind of twist in midair i i, I don't want to say i've never seen anything like it but i haven't seen it very much it, it it's it's a really interesting uh, set of skills in in that package you know and I think the fact that Steve Smith had the career he had in the NFL really helps him I, th- I think people at that next level will look at him differently than they would have 15 or 20 years ago and he'll be he'll be great sure if he stays healthy he'll be great at the next yeah. level yeah those two Alabama receivers that are on everyone's first right. round mock drafts they're not very big at all I think the NFL is shifting to the the big 12 style like you mentioned and he finally was listed in the top 65 of, of pro football focuses you know, top prospects. So I think his, his draft buzz is it's been quiet after the knee injury and uh, all that, but he's back. He's back in a big way. Uh, okay. Before we get you out of here, we got to talk a little bit of uniforms. You know, Notre Dame wears the same thing every week, but let's get to the uniform preview for Oklahoma state brought to you by Chris's university spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on campus corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. So uh, OSU has a lot of options more than Notre Dame. Caden, what's your, What's your uh, uniform pick this week, filling in for Colby Powell? All right. As I mentioned to you, I am not a uniform guy. Uh, you guys get to this part of the podcast and I listen, but kind of also start thinking about, you know, what's on the grocery list a little bit. So <laughs> uh, I just kind of Googled like what they wore on the road last year to get a feel for what I might like. I'm just going to, this is in, there's no way this will be accurate. Uh, but I liked the white with the brand that they wore against Oregon state last year in terms of the helmet. I just, I like the brand way better than anything else they put on the side of the helmet. And then obviously a white uni and the orange, which I I think they went, I think it was white, white orange against Tulsa last year. Mm -hmm. And I like that look, but I like it with the brand on top. So uh, that's what I'm going with is something close to what they wore last year against Tulsa, but give me the brand on, on, on the helmet. That'll make my, my dad happy. Give me the brand. That's, that's what he always says. He doesn't want any pistol Pete. He says, give me the brand. Uh, I unfortunately am going to go against the brand and pick 
I'm going all white. They love it. It's one of their favorite road looks. I think they're going to go with the icy white Pete, the, the giant Pete chrome helmet. Uh, I like your pick, though. I think I your pick's one. a way better look. I'm just – I'm kind of thinking they'll – they tend to go all white with some of their biggest road games. Maybe they'll save that for, for OU, but uh, I'm going all white with the uh, the chrome brand. So, I, I like your pick, though. That's a, that's a great look. Why white orange, I think, is one of their best road looks for sure. I agree. Um, before we get you out here, Caden, Caden, again, I appreciate you joining us. Caden McFarland from KJRH up in Tulsa. Do you have one interesting thing? I, give me I some. Give me some Notre Dame Clemson. Give me anything else you got. All right. Uh, and maybe you guys have covered this territory. I apologize if so. Uh, but after losing in overtime to Texas last week, Mike Gundy and the Cowboys are 7-8 and eight in their last 15 games decided by a touchdown or less. 7-8 hmm. and eight in their last 15, which wow. is – you know, they should be a little bit better than that considering the quality of the program. But, I mean, one-score games are going to go both ways. In the previous 15, he was 14-1. and one. So that was where <laughs> the cardiac Cowboys thing came along. And, and so the point is, in my mind, I don't think he's getting worse at coaching close games. I think they just had lightning in a bottle for whatever reason there for a stretch in 14, 15, 16. And, and so, anyway, the game that, that turned it, was against these Kansas State Wildcats back in 2017 when they had no business losing to those guys. I think the final score was 45-40. That was the the loss that kind of that snapped that stretch of 14 and one in one score games, and they've just been pretty average ever since. And uh, you know, I I don't know. What to, I'm not necessarily drawing any big bad conclusions. Just thought those numbers were interesting. 14 and one, now seven and eight in the last 15. I believe they call that regression to the mean. Yes, <laughs> I I think that's what and, we have going on. And again. Mason Rudolph lost those three home games, but I think it's a testament to Mason Rudolph that they were 14 and one in those situations yes, during a large he was stretch. Really of that. good in those spots. And you mentioned it last week. Um, they have not performed at home at the level you would hope. Um, you know, and I don't nope. know what to make of that. It's weird in this year where it's not, um, you know, a full house, but they, they haven't been quite what you would hope uh, inside Boone Pickens Stadium the last few years. No doubt. Uh, my one interesting thing is up from your neck of the woods, this Braylon Presley, younger brother of Brennan Presley, was on ESPN, uh, Booker T. Washington against Bixby. I got to see him play against Carl Albert here in the city, Caden, and I, I thought he looked like Reggie Bush. Like He was just that much better than everyone else in the field. Uh, it's about the highest praise I can give a high school player, but I, yep. I've covered high school football in the state for 12 years. Guys that come to mind are the best I've seen. Sterling Shepard's always one of the first names that, that comes to mind, but I put Braylon in that class after what I've seen this year from him. He's, he's unbelievable. And he only has three offers, Caden. What's up with that? I have no answer. I have, I have no answer for why the offer list is what it is. Um, the university of Tulsa has no excuse. Look, Oklahoma state probably will offer at some point. I think, I mean, Mike Gundy has spoken so highly of his brother and they ended up getting him late. I mean, my guess is he gets an OSU offer and ends up there. OU. They recruit nationally. They do fine at running back. I don't want to critique those guys. The fact that he doesn't have a TU offer, and I know some things about how that went with his brother that I probably can't share, but let's just let's just say completely egregious. Um, there is forget the size of these kids. They are they are ball players. I like the Reggie Bush comparison, you know. And he started out as a Booker T kid. Like he went to like elementary school with some of these kids he was playing against last night on ESPN. And I've had the thought in my mind, and now is, is this just because Bixby's offensive line and the play calling are so good that they're just making this kid 
you know, he's got huge holes to run through. Maybe they're making him look a little bit better. But when you see him making guys who are going to play at the next level miss in space the way he did last night, I mean, don't kid yourself. Booker T's not some joke defensively. Uh, now, Kiwan Parker, who's going to Arkansas, was unable to play last night, but they still have a ton of talent. And for him to put guys on their butts in the open field the way he did last night, like he is he is special. He's the best I've seen in this state. I know the Shetron kid uh, down at Santa Fe is really good. I haven't seen much of him, but uh, he's, he's so much fun to watch. And there's no doubt in my mind that one Brennan is going to get on the field and do some good things for Oklahoma State. Mike Gundy has said as much several times. Uh, and, and that Braylon will end up going somewhere, maybe probably OSU, we'll see, uh, and have a great college career. I just, he is a ton of fun to watch. And it, nobody lays a hand on him. You know, you worry about a kid that size, maybe having to deal with injuries or something, and he's just too good. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's, he is too good. The speed, the acceleration, uh, the change of direction, it's all elite. Yeah, I mean, he's doing this. I mean, they've they've put whoopings on Jinx, and again, I mean, Carl Albert, I think, is one of the better defensive teams year in year out. They've they've given up 26, 14, 0, 14, 7, 7, and then they gave up fifty six to Bixby. Like that, like they will guard your face off, and they couldn't touch this kid. So yeah. that's that's the way I look at it. I, I think you're right. I think ultimately he'll get more interest he is a 2022 kid it's not as if he's he's graduating this year so there, there's still time and man he's he's fun to watch uh give me before we get out of here give me your pick on notre dame clemson i know you're a big notre dame guy that's the biggest game in the country you this know week. i i'm gonna go 28 24 clemson um i you know i want to make the pick with my heart i there are some things that i feel good about uh if notre dame just had a little bit more going in the downfield passing game i really would pick them to win in this spot but They've, they've now reached the point where they're going to have to show it to me before I make the pick, if that makes sense. They've just been, it's been too long uh, in these spots where they're really good and they're taking on a team that's at the very top of college football and, and they just, they haven't been able to do it. And so they, they have to prove it to me before I'll believe it. There are reasons to think that they'll be good enough to win this thing. Not only is Clemson missing Trevor Lawrence, but I believe they're missing their best defensive tackle and a couple of linebackers. Venable's boy, by the way, is like their second leading tackler. I saw um, that. <laughs> which is, but I, there are reasons to think Notre Dame absolutely has a, a path to win this thing, but I'm not going to pick it until they do it. So, but I'm going to be wearing a Joe Montana jersey. My kid's going to be wearing a little Manti Teo jersey, and we I'm taking the day off. You know, now that Tulsa doesn't play Navy, I've got that much less uh, to deal with. Um, so uh, I could not be more fired up. Hope it happens. We'll celebrate like crazy if it does, uh, but I don't think so. I was going to ask, are you wearing a Rocket Ishmael jersey? But you're going, Joe, you're going to Joe Montana. You're going real well, old school. They sell a lot more of the Joe Montana jerseys online. I, I, it's funny you mention that because just this week I thought, why don't I, I have a Rocket Ishmael jersey? My brother has a Jerome <laughs> Bettis one. Uh, that oh, that's great too. We went to the SC game in 2017, and uh, that's probably my favorite, uh, just because. Uh, just the six looks nice but was uh, he six at notre dame he was six yeah what yeah. was montana Pulled three back. montana wore three that's i think that's, gonna, that's a always a ron somewhere. that's a ron paulus jersey to me was it ron paulus rick meyer and ron paulus my i'm a little older than you so myra was my number three and then paulus came along with the same See, number i grew up in the you know a little bit later with or notre dame was overrated shouldn't have been on my television but that we won't go there no uh, hey i'll own that Caden, look, that's right. Caden, well, I wish your Irish good luck uh, against Thank Clemson. You. I would love to see Clemson go down just because it'd make things more interesting uh, nationwide. 
Uh, Caden McFarland, thanks again, the sports director at KJRH. You can give him a follow on Twitter. Great Twitter follow. It's at Caden, C-A-Y-D-E-N-M-C, at Caden MC. So give him a follow on Twitter. He's a great follow. Does a great job up at Tulsa. He's a great friend. Caden, we appreciate you joining us, man. Carson, thank you so much. Uh, love the pod. Any Anything you ever need from me, give me a call, man. Really thanks enjoyed it. Appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you soon.